Well, time of the program to check in with Coley and Kavanaugh. The U.S. dollar gained some strength this week against foreign currencies, and that created headwinds for the grain market. In fact, it gained over 90 points in one overnight session this week. And it wasn't a lot of big headline news in the grain market this week, except for that barge slowdown on the river system. And that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. David and I have both been talking about demand in our daily reports, and we promised that we were going to get into that. So we will coming up straight ahead. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Top to bottom, local to national, the Farm Bureau efforts right now to support farming starts at home. It goes all the way to Washington, D.C., particularly now with a vote coming up here at the midterm elections. Your membership makes all that happen. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. We're talking about demand destruction this morning, and it's been a focus of a lot of market conversation. So as a backdrop for our discussion today about the demand picture, let's start, David, with the export sales numbers because we got some optimistic news this week. We knew that was coming because of the flash sales that we had last week in the soybean complex, David. Yeah, that sure was a good number. We've got a total of 2.335 million metric tons of soybeans. You've got to go back many, many, many years for this week to get a comparable year that we sold that many soybeans. They were looking for big numbers because the top guess was 2.5, but China was the biggie, 1.976. Netherlands came in at only AE 2.8. Mexico was the top buyer of corn, which is not a big surprise, John, but you know, this demand on corn has been really kind of surprising. Well, is it really demand destruction on corn from a worldwide basis, or is it just because right now South America's got the cheapest corn? Remember, the Brazilian corn crop comes in late in the year. The corn that's exported, the primary export supplies come in in the summer. Second crop supplies the export corn, and when it hits the market, it's got to move. So therefore, they drop the price until it's sold. And while they drop the price, they're going to outcompete everybody. So I think I don't think there's demand destruction on corn from the worldwide. I just think it's a temporary shift to South America, and we'll shift back to the U.S. probably in about another two or three weeks. As John talks about South America, one of the big stories coming out of South America has been those drought conditions in Argentina, and that, in terms of their corn crop for next year, they've been delaying that, waiting for some rain to come into Argentina. And they've been planting beans like crazy, waiting for the rain. But gosh, I don't know, David, you look out a couple of weeks, and if they're waiting for rain, (laughs) they may not get it. Yeah, and if they're going to get it, it's in the northern part of Argentina. But Argentina remains very, very dry. Yes, they've had a lot of problems planting corn. And, you know, they're talking about their wheat harvest, too. That was a big disappointment because they kept hoping to see that wheat crop do well. But the dryness really, really clobbered their yields there, too. So it's a double whammy for them. Late planted corn and the wheat harvest being much less than expected. But, John, is that going to have a big effect on the global supplies you're talking about, Argentina? Well, you know, that's too early to say right today. I mean, uh, they've got a problem at the moment, and that problem could easily be rectified in a short period of time. And, of course, just because their crops going in late, you know, some of those acres are being shipped over to soybeans. But if they have the right weather, they can still grow a pretty big crop. But if uh, we continue to have problems there, yes, Argentina, after all, when it comes to corn, the uh, third largest exporter, they're pretty significant. So, yes, if uh, they don't get that problem corrected, it's going to have a, a significant impact. Now, as we talk about demand, there can be demand for our product, but if we can't get it down the river system because the river levels are so doggone low, we talked about it a little bit this week, and that was is that China just had to go elsewhere to get orders filled. So, John, talk a bit about what's going on with the barges on the river and how that is going to impact demand if 
the people who bought from us are going elsewhere because we can't get it out. Well, that is another problem. We seem to have a lot of logistics problems out there. And yes, the, uh, the drought conditions in the western U.S. resulted in the Mississippi River and its lowest level and... Uh, how long, David? Historically, it goes way, way back because they've uncovered some shipwrecks that they hadn't seen for over yeah. 100 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's a very serious problem. We don't replenish those stuff. water supplies pretty soon. It's going to carry over in the next year and everything's going to back up. And they're dredging like crazy, but you can only go so fast. In the meantime, barge freight has skyrocketed, so it's cost a fortune to get it to the Gulf. But obviously, if the Gulf can't meet its needs, then those sales are going to have to shift somewhere else. And Argentina, being a large exporter of, of corn, uh, they may have a problem. So, yes, uh, this whole thing is going to get very serious. You know, it all can get corrected very quickly, I suppose. But uh, looking at the weather forecast, et cetera, we don't see an end in sight yet. Uh, there's a chance, though. My best weather guy is Ryan Hall Yall. Now, earlier in the week, he was talking about big, big weather across Iowa, Missouri, and Wisconsin and Illinois and then coming toward us. But then he said that he's going to update it because he said the weather forecast is changing. So, oh, no, don't hmm. take rain out of the forecast there. But there is a chance for some rain in the driest areas in the northern part of the Mississippi. So if you get a chance, just type in Ryan Paul Yall. The guy is fantastic. He's very entertaining. You know, and part of the conversation to that point is, is that, you know, they've been worried about, well, dry conditions down in the southern part of the country, but it's rain in the upper part of the country that's going to affect the river levels downstream. So where we need the rain is really up here in the northern part of the country. In lieu of what's going on on the river, as you look at the basis levels and and I got some numbers that basis offers for truckloads of soy meal, as an example, fell by 10 bucks a ton at Frankfort, Indiana. So, John, as you look at the basis levels, what's the story that they're telling you? Well, the basis levels are, of course, at the uh, river points are extremely cheap. Arch freight has gone as high as we know it hit 2,400% at Evansville a couple of weeks ago. So that backs up to the river points to levels that are extremely cheap. You know, we saw it get to soybeans like a, more than a buck under versus November, corn got close to a buck under. Now you get into the interior up where we are, you're farther away from the river, and we're affected by the fast harvest. You know, we got a big crop out there, at least in the eastern U.S. Illinois, it's got a huge crop, and Indiana and Ohio are doing well. Now we've had the dry weather as a result in what? A very fast harvest. So the interior basis has been a pressure, and right now you're looking at numbers uh, that are somewhat historical corn in the vicinity of 15 to 20 under, depending upon where you're going, and soybeans running around 15 to 17 under, in some cases maybe a little stronger as, as processors bid up for soybeans, but uh, our basis around here is, is uh, pretty much normal, but, you know, we've got more pressure coming. We're going to see more harvesting this coming week, and uh, I would look for this basis to start falling. There's really not much incentive for the farmer to hold on to grain at these price levels. Quite honestly, I mean, what are you holding on for? These things are record levels. And <laughs> yeah, right. I hate to be a broken record, but my point is the demand is what's driving this market. And if we see demand diminish, these prices will fall because we've already gauged in all the demand we potentially saw could be there. If it doesn't prove true, these prices will come a-tumbling. But let's take a look at bean meal for just a second. Uh, soybean meal, the U.S. is currently the primary supplier of soybean meal to the rest of the world. And the demand for that soybean meal is very high. But because of the river problem, we can't get the meal barges down to the Gulf to get loaded to the vessels that are taking them overseas quick enough. Therefore, the demand is running up the price on soybean meal 
the world demand is so high for meal, there's not enough uh, meal that's being loaded into the vessels, so they're bidding up the price on those vessels. And of course, what does that do to crush margins? That makes crush margins get even better, and that makes the demand for soybeans even better because the crush plants, of course, will just be crushing at maximum capacity. And there is some concern that those tight soybean stocks that are projected at the end of the year to be 200 billion could drop below that because what's going on here? And part of that is coming from the low river and the difficulty in barge to the export points. Yeah. David, earlier in the week, I think we were talking about oil and India has decided to avoid raising palm oil import taxes, at least at this time with inflation running as hot as it is. That again, you know, it has uh, had an impact on soybeans to, um, you know, smaller or greater, depending on the way the wind is blowing this week. But talk about that for a second and how that's impacting oil. Yeah, because India has been doing the hokey pokey because they talk about raising their import taxes. No, we're not going to do it. Well, people must say, no, we're going to lower import taxes. It's kind of like they're trying to gauge exactly what they need there. But I tell you, when you micromanage things, it becomes a macro problem. All the time you think about trying to get just up just in time. Well, it's just late usually. But I think India is trying to dance around too much and they might paint themselves into a corner. The last one I have been watching this past week with regard to demand, I think maybe too much made of what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. I mean, obviously you got war going on. Nobody wants that. But Ukraine's grain exports down 35% year over year. Is that big enough? to really have an impact, aside from headlines, have a realistic impact on demand and and grain prices, ultimately. You know, that's the whole point. You always buy the rumor and sell the fact, and somebody's going to say, well, they're not hurt as bad as we thought they would be. And that's what they've been saying. It's sustainable. But the other point is, anything you lose from Ukraine at this point is going to affect the whole world supply. And right now, it is extremely tight. It's a tough situation to gauge at this point. But I'm thinking that we're underplaying it just a bit right now. Mm. And I think it may come back to bite us because the crop they had this year was cut even more than expected. Not less being said about that. So listen to what they're not saying, folks. Here's a demand issue that I think is appropriate. The NOPA crush, that's the National Association of Soybean Processors. They had a lesser crush for September than expected. Now, that's because a lot of them went to downtime because of really tight soybean supplies. It was 158.09. That's down 3.5 from the average guess. But here's my point. Again, I'm, we want to watch demand very carefully. That's another piece of the puzzle. Demand for soybeans from these processors is less than expected due to the fact they're crushing less. And they're probably not seeing as much demand for the beans, the bean meal, especially bean oil still red hot. That uh, NOFA crush number was below ex- expectations, but I think some of that is just a temporary situation. They're going to crush beans. They're going to demand more soybeans. I think that was a little bit of a fluke because you probably had some downtime or some maintenance and repair work that maybe dragged on a little longer than expected. Well, I hope you're right because you crushed me. Let's turn to livestock now, David, because uh, you were crying and moaning last week about pork being down, and then all of a sudden here uh, late in the week added, what if I think about a buck thirty? seven uh yeah. to the hundred weight so uh, uh that wasn't too bad and but it beep still kind of hanging in there with yeah. not a whole lot of movement this week no beef prices came back really nice but pork was much better there i don't know why we just keep seeing the red light going on for beef and the green light on for pork but the weekly export sales was 40.8 thousand tons for pork mexico thank you again 14.8 japan another big one 11 
But here's the one I'm curious about. Beef, 16.6. That's on the lower side. Korea was one of your biggest buyers at 7.1. Japan at 3.6. And China was still a buyer at 2. Now, the thing I want to mention here about meat demand is that we're again entering the time of the year where we look to other items, especially turkey. And I think that'll be a lot of the featuring going on, especially with bird flu. You may see turkey prices not as cheap as you would hope for, but they should be featured fairly well. But the real guess for me is to see what happens here for the Christmas holiday and see people go for pork or beef. I'm getting the point that they want Christmas hams this year. Mm. We'll see how that all tapers up. All right, come to the end of the program here where we graciously just step back and give John Cavanaugh the last word. Well, that's for the palm oil guys. So I'm talking about palm oil, what's going on in India. Malaysian palm oil prices, Indonesian palm oil prices have hit a seven-week high. So there's very bull market going on there. And one of the reasons why is because, oh, it's it's the old man weather again. It's because of heavy rains, and that's lending it and costing that. I do have another concern. I understand that the uh, largest yardstick manufacturer said they're not going to make yardsticks any longer. <laughs> you set me <laughs> up. Now, I also understand, David, that they've been inching toward that decision for several months. But I'm bum bum. Yeah, okay. All right, Kavanaugh. Jeez. This is not your opportunity to test out your new material for your stand up comic routine, okay? Get out of here. <laughs> Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau and top to bottom, local to national, the Farm Bureau is fully engaged in a couple of things right now. Their get out the boat effort is fully underway. Now, if you're a member like me, you got a text message or maybe an email from Farm Bureau National President Zippy Duvall reminding all of us how important these midterm elections are. And second, the Farm Bureau formalized their list of Farm Bill priorities. Not that there are any surprises there, but the Farm Bureau's efforts to support farming on the state as well as the national level are ongoing. And your Farm Bureau membership makes all that happen. Support your local Farm Bureau. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.